St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the defend hour of conflict. Hour of battle. Hour of battle. Yeah, protection yes, against yeah. the wickedness. Yes, 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 How about I leave? May God rebuke him. Amen. And to thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust Satan into hell and all the other spirits who roam the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. 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 Praying together on Zoom doesn't work. Nor praying <laughs> a prayer that doesn't actually have one uniform version. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Do you say restrain or rebuke? Uh, he said something else at the start. What was that? So, Michael the Archangel, defend us in the hour of conflict. Conflict. Oh, conflict. Battle. We say battle here. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast where you're actually better off turning this off and going to pray. Mind you, depends on who's speaking, but uh, we won't get into that too much. Gentlemen, great to see you. Good to see you, Marty. Good to see you, Father Dave. Good to see you, Sam. Thanks. Marty, say it's good to see me. Say it. It's good to see you. It's good, it's good to see you. Sorry, a bit late. Still good. Still good to see you. I just like the fact that you've provided us with a really good backdrop. The listeners can't see what we're seeing, but Sam's actually recording outside on the back veranda of his farm. So we can just look at mountains in the background and flowers yeah. and trees. And the, and the rolling clouds moving across behind him. Mm. It's uh, humid, which is very odd for Tasmania. It's been raining and we're expecting a heck of a lot more tonight. But it's his lovely out here on the back veranda. It's very nice. I was in a school today with students. It was really nice, actually, because I've seen those students before. In fact, there were two groups, year 12s, year 11s, year 12s. I've seen twice, the year 11s, I've seen twice. Uh, and so I had to go into grabbing new material. It was actually really refreshing. I ended up sharing material today that I've never shared in a school. And I had to run it by the, one of the teachers because it really was something that ties in with what we're going to talk about today, being spiritual warfare. Uh, it was from Russia, where pretty much the only time on the whole journey of the walk around the world where I, I genuinely felt that I was going to give up. By give up, I don't mean I'm going home. That happened at other occasions. I mean, give up, I'm going to lay down in this nice, white, fluffy snow because I'm in so much pain. And I can't take another step and I want to lay down in the snow and I want to give up, give up. But knowing that if I lay down in the snow, I'm not going to wake up. And I give up, this. give up as in die. Well, it was more of a side effect of laying down in the snow. Uh, but knowing that there was a particular consequence to that. And I didn't want that. And I stood there staring at the snow in a blizzard at nighttime in Russia and just started crying because I didn't want either. I did not want either choice eventually walked on and then the same thing happened again this time though i actually took a few steps towards the snow i caught myself from going any further and again started crying and just cried out god get me out of this i don't care send a russian dude on a tractor to come and pick me up anything in my mind's eye in that moment I caught a glimpse of jesus walk past under the cross under the weight of the cross and just say thank you for walking this with me and me thinking you can't do that that's not fair it, it wasn't what i wanted it wasn't the response i wanted in that moment and I turned and walked over the, that hill right in front of me. And on the other side of it was a 24-hour hotel. And uh, at last, at about 4.30 a.m., the nightmare was over. But I actually shared it in a school setting today, which I've never done before, mainly because I feel that for a lot of students, oh, probably 90% of them don't really have anything to do with the church. And so this is a really difficult subject to bring up, is, is in battle, in hard conflict, to actually lean on God and to pray and to trust in God in, the, in those moments. So it wasn't, and I didn't actually plan to even share that today in the podcast, but it just kind of ties in that 
that is what I shared on today in a school. I had to get permission from the teachers to do it, and they were quite happy for me to talk about it. But the spiritual battle that we are engaged with, we might have some sort of idea of this is awesome. We get to wield our sword, our rosary beads, and, you know, it's triumphant. But that reality being that it's usually in that the real battle is when we are in a point of despair or on the verge of despair or temptation. There's two basic ways that the devil attacks us. The, the normal way is through temptation to sin and the sort of less normal way, extraordinary ways, some of these other more you know manifestations of evil with people or, or objects or, or places. But they both sort of go on. And I think you won't really notice anything if you're not trying to live a holy life. The devil's plan is to draw you into mortal sin and then kill you. That's a job well done. And for most people, I think that happens in a pretty ordinary way you know, his, his, his attacks, which is just around trying to entice you to sin. Mm. I've often thought, no, Father Dave, I've never said this to you, but I have often thought that it must be a fairly intense spiritual battle as a priest. And by intense, I need to clarify that. I don't mean that it's always... You don't mean camping, burden. intense. No, I mean intense as in persistent. There, there must be such a uh, persistent... And there must be a longevity in the spiritual battle. And there'd be great joy in it at times, but just I imagine there must be such a, a need for the grace to persevere in that spiritual battle. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Um, I was reading a thing, Pope Benedict put a letter out a couple of years ago. It was actually sort of his response to the sexual abuse crisis and how that had damaged the priesthood. But there was one line right at the end of it. He was basically talking about the constant attack that priests come under spiritually. And he referred to the story of Job in the Old Testament, how at the beginning of the book of Job, Satan comes before God and asks permission to test Job because he doesn't believe that Job is actually righteous. And Benedict was basically saying the scriptures refer to the devil as being the accuser of the brethren. He doesn't believe that holiness is actually possible. He thinks that it's all just a performance or, or just on the surface. And so the temptation or the testing is basically trying to prove to God that these humans he created are actually as useless as the devil thinks he, they are. And so he was saying, you know, anyone who tries to really be righteous, everyone who tries to really be holy is going to come under a very serious attack because the devil is constantly going to be trying to prove that they're not actually holy. And I just thought that that, that sort of summed it up very well. Mm. You know, like, I don't, I don't think there's anything particularly unique to priests. You know, like, I think any, any Catholic who takes their faith seriously and genuinely pursues holiness is going to come under some serious temptation. It's a little bit like what Marty was saying, you know, like, the devil is always trying to, to hide and be invisible. It's sometimes said if you if you want proof of the devil's existence, just start following Jesus seriously, and uh, very quickly you'll have proof because suddenly you'll find this whole force against you trying to stop you from pursuing that goal. Mm. So it is a bit of a um, like it's a terribly one-sided battle. I think in two different regards. If you think about fallen angels that are much much more intelligent and powerful than human beings. The battle of us against them is is really one-sided. 
it's almost impossible for you to win, where it probably is impossible for you to win. But then you elevate it further, and the the battle between same fallen angels and Jesus is even further apart. And we're sort of at the bottom of that barrel. But being in Jesus, and it's Jesus's power, it's Jesus's victory, and being in Him allows Him to be victorious in and through us. And and that's how the battle's won. Yeah, yeah. It's like it says in scripture, the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Mm. Often when people talk about spiritual warfare, people people get fascinated. You know, people love hearing stories about possessions and exorcisms and all this sort of stuff because they're kind of fascinated by this spiritual realm, but almost because people are fascinated by fear. You know, they love getting a little Mm. bit scared by the whole thing. Whereas really anyone who understands the power of Jesus is never going to be afraid in this area. Yeah, I, I remember hearing um, Dave Van Vickle, a US kind of assistant for um, an exorcist, saying, you know, should you fear the devil kind of thing? It really had two answers. And he told this story about knowing a sheep farmer that he'd go and visit. And he said, these sheep, which are the skittishest things you could imagine, and when there's any other animals around, they're just terrified, apart from when the shepherd's there. And when the shepherd walked out to them, even if he, he said he saw one day some dogs from next door running at these sheep, but the shepherd was there and they were fine. That was the example. If you know the shepherd, you've got nothing to worry about. If you yeah. don't know the shepherd, you probably should be terrified. It also puts into perspective the, uh, I guess, the fruit that is born from that struggle. As you were saying before, Father Dave, about is it just being accused of it just being a performance if you struggle through it and we struggle in love and we struggle with forgiveness and reconciliation and receiving that within that comes that relationship and the reliance, uh, the humility of, of saying, well, no, this is part of the struggle. And I have been a bit skittish when I shouldn't have been, I haven't trusted, I have despaired or I have turned away. I think forgiveness is a, just on that list you were saying, I think forgiveness is an amazing thing. When, when we, when we forgive other people, we really elevate ourselves to the divine. You know, this is this is an attribute of Jesus and of the Father that when people repent and throw themselves on his mercy, he forgives. And when we do that for other people, I think it's really powerful. Um, elevate to the divine by kneeling at their feet and washing them. Yeah. Mm. And similarly, when we, um, when we seek forgiveness, both from other people but also in confession, I think that breaks a lot of the power of the devil massively. Any any act of humility, if the devil is absolute pride, humility is the, the biggest thing he hates. Um, and I think that's the, the enormous difference between the devil and Our Lady, where mm. Lucifer, who became mm. the devil, was created as the, the most beautiful creature in creation, but because he you know saw that in himself and, and rebelled because he, he wanted to be the number one guy. And you compare that with Our Lady, who total humility, and because of that humility has been elevated to sort of same position, the queen of heaven, the first among creatures, total poles apart. Mm. It also reminds me of the, the scripture passage of the house that is swept clean. You know, the, someone who is possessed, but if you, you sweep it clean, but it's re, it remains empty, then more come back that it's not simply a case of, right, I'm healed, I'm done, I don't have this issue anymore, I, I no longer have this desire or I no longer have this temptation and we just get on with life instead of actually turning to Christ and actually filling ourselves with that love and that, that reliance 
So if you, under, if you understand this as a battle, if you're in a battle, you take ground. When you take ground, you need to hold the ground you've taken. I think that's what you're alluding to, Sam. And you've got to keep that up, that humility, prayer, devotion, in order to not leave that space to be re-attacked in the same way. Uh, Father Dave, with the novitiates that you used to train, obviously you're not in that position right now, but I can imagine that in that particular time of life as a novitiate, there are so many temptations and there are so many choices because that's really what you're doing. You, you are actively discerning. And so because you've got so many choices in front of you, you haven't necessarily made a really strong commitment. You haven't had, had made vows. I, I feel like I'm setting this question up for you because I've I'd be very surprised if there isn't an answer to this. <laughs> it's a setup. But, but were you were you actually training them and giving the novitiates uh, some really strong foundations in spiritual warfare for that active discernment? Yeah. Well, well, and, the- and if and if not, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the key things I'd always try and bring them back to is um, the the rules of discernment by Ignatius Loyola. So if you don't know anything about Ignatius Loyola, Google him, look up the basic story. Basically, Ignatius went through a big conversion initially, and then on his way to basically trying to follow what he thought was God's calling, he sort of went through his second conversion. And that involved about 18 months of real sort of spiritual battle internally. He was facing all of his own internal demons and being attacked by some external demons in the midst of that. As a result, he kind of worked out the way the devil worked and gave the church what he called these rules of discernment as a way of discerning what is the good spirit, what is the bad spirit. Now, those terms themselves are a little bit more complicated than simply saying God and the devil. But on on the surface, he talked about how when a person is living a fairly mediocre life, you know, they're going to church on Sunday, not really praying, not really doing much they're not a threat to the enemy. And so the enemy just leaves them comfortable. Once upon a time, I thought that I was being fantastic by being the only guy in my friendship group who did go to mass on Sundays. Yeah. And I was very comfortable. Yeah, because you were not a threat. Often the devil wants to keep you in that place. Whereas, so, so basically what he says, you know, when, when you're in that space, the devil's going to keep you comfortable, whereas the Holy Spirit is going to disturb you and be poking you, prodding you, saying, come on, let's go further, go further, go further. Uh, the Holy Spirit that comes to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Whereas once you make that decision and you actually say, I'm going to start living this seriously, the roles reverse. You know, God is going to be fairly quiet and peaceful, whereas the devil is going to turn up the volume and start disturbing you no end. And that was the most common thing I found with guys who had just made this serious decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life, enter into the novitiate, start discerning, everything would go wrong. It was like all hell would break loose. You know, there would be trouble back home with their family. People, family members would lose their jobs. People would be involved in car accidents. Old girlfriends would be contacting them out of the blue, even though they hadn't talked to them for 10 years. It was amazing the stuff that would happen. And these guys would be in this absolute place of confusion and saying, surely this is God giving me a sign. And I'd have to be there saying, actually, no. <laughs> what God's trying to say here is hold the course. Don't Hard change yeah, well, don't, <laughs> don't, don't change your direction just because there's disturbance. That's right. Um, Horatio held the bridge. Stay yeah. at your post, soldier. Ignatius uses the image of the devil just being like a schoolyard bully. 
if you start to pay attention to him and give in, he just gets emboldened and louder. Whereas if you ignore him, he gives up eventually. Yeah. So yeah. that I think is a really common thing when people start to take their faith seriously. They Was it St. Pio or Petrucina who woke up in the middle of the night disturbed and Satan was in his room and he just said, oh, it's just you and rolled over and went back to sleep. <laughs> it's just you again. Um, I do think, think there's a difference between demons and angels, although being like the same sort of species. They Sorry, behave. you think there's a difference? <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, bear, bear with me here. There's, a, there's, there's like a behavioural difference where angels go and do what they're asked to do by God and demons go where they're not resisted. Mm. So it's it's the difference between like a perfect army and a guerrilla army that is trying to trying to get what they can, which is why hardening the target and and resisting temptation, which is what you know comes up so many times in the epistles. What does Saint Peter say? Resist the devil and he will flee. Mm. That that image you use there of, of of hardening the the defenses, you know, like when people fall into sin, the classic thing is they think I failed, I'm ashamed. I'm just going to sit in the corner and beat myself up for a while. That's precisely what the enemy wants. He wants you to turn yeah. away from God. Yep. Whereas if you come back and say, okay, this has just taught me where my weak spot is. You know, if I can actually go back and think over how I fell into that sin, what was the sequence of events that led me there? You can realize that you got angry actually because you've got an insecurity problem. That's your weak spot. You're always going to get hit there until you deal with it. Um, mm. You know, or you fell into some lustful temptation because you're actually just stressed after work, you know? And so if you can go back and work out what's the, the background, then you can deal with it. So remember your superior, Father Ken? Is he a superior? Is that how, is that? Uh, the moderator, yes. Head, moderator, your moderator. Years ago, Father Ken in a, um, in a homily talking about the guy who walks down the footpath and falls into a hole in the footpath and mm. then... Then the next day, walks down the same road and tries to go around it and falls in again. And then the next day, tiptoes around the edge of it and falls in again. And then, then the next day, decides to walk down another street. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was Whoa. this illustration of a lot of us because we're so, yeah, I don't know what the word is. I don't know if it's dumb or just set in our ways, but, you know, it can well, take some like time to make a better decision. It's like trying to give up eating too much chocolate. Well, it's much easier to not buy the chocolate at the supermarket than it is to not eat it when it's sitting in your pantry. And yeah. it's suddenly four o'clock in the afternoon and I'm tired and I've got a bit of a, uh, a sugar loaf. Or you can go one step further and buy a carob bar and you'll never want to eat it ever. Actually, good. I want to talk about this. As far as going one step further... I can imagine you could almost go too far as in carrying the spiritual battle becomes so focused on fighting the battle that we actually lose sight of love and humility and peace in Christ. Hmm. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the classic thing is people either focus too much on the devil or not enough. They either think that he's he doesn't exist and he's not there, or they think that there's a devil under every corner and every, you know, hiding under every bed and whatever. I think um, that uh, might be a C.S. Lewis quote as well. Just Yeah, quite likely. <laughs> yep. 
just uh, yeah, I don't want to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's understanding the limitations. Yeah, as, as, if I can go back and quote Father Ken again, he he often talks about the devil being a bit like a dog on a leash. You know, if you, if you go into someone's garden and there's a dog on a chain, you're only at risk if you're inside the perimeter of that chain. Mm. If you're outside the perimeter, the, it can't get you. And so, mm. I mean, that's, and that's pretty much what the commandments are. Like if you are breaking the commandments, you have stepped inside the perimeter where you're going to get attacked. Yeah. Can you, Father Dave, can you quote your other podcast? So we'll give it a quick plug. And at this point, I've got to say, Father Dave's still testing this out, so he doesn't even know if he's going to do it. Is that correct? <laughs> he's going to do it. But he, but he has sent Marty, Marty and I a bit of a snippet, a few episodes, just to have a listen to. It's much shorter than Sons of Thunder, and it's fantastic. Can I ask you to... It, it, it will hopefully actually be published before this is even published, this episode. Anyway. Well, that... That's most likely. Yeah. <laughs> how long it takes us to edit these. So you're saying it's, uh, quali- it's quality over quantity. <laughs> in in the second episode, Father Dave, that you sent to me and sent to Marty, you're talking about discernment in that. And mm. I, I genuinely love the simplicity of it, that you're talking about actually knowing the discernment's not that difficult if you know what the destination is. So I don't want to quote you can i get you to talk about it particularly what i'm referring to is the choosing your direction on the way home well yeah so I, I i sometimes use the, the example like if if you're driving home from work you are passing through thousands of life decisions on your way home you know every every intersection you go past if you turn down that side street it could open up a whole world of opportunity uh, you could end up in a different city you could find yourself changing your whole life plan if you don't get home in time and yet you're blind to those decisions. You don't care about them because your heart is set on your destination. You just mm. want to get home. Mm. Sorry, this, is, this reminds me of a Jim Carrey comedy stand-up skit thing where he says, thankfully we've got that little voice really? inside our head saying, uh-uh-uh, turning the car into oncoming traffic is counterproductive. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> But if you think about that in terms of life, we often think about the Christian journey as being this, you know, really burdensome thing of having to make good decisions every day. But you've already actually made one decision about your destination. Yeah. You want to be happy mm. or you want to be rich or you yeah. want to be comfortable. And every decision you make is naturally taking you to that destination. And so, so if, if the decisions are difficult, it's because there's actually a wrestling match going on inside your heart where hmm. your good voice is trying to fight against the deep deci- decision about what you really want. You know, like I'm trying to be yeah. good, but deep down I really just want to be a hedonistic pagan. <laughs> you know, you've got to change the destination. For, so, some, for some of us, it's not that deep. Padre, <laughs> Padre Pio's, I think it was his sister, asked him, how do you become a saint? And he said, desire it. Yes, She's exactly what you're talking about. Make that your destination. Set your heart on that. And then these other every day, every week, every year decisions, if if that's the if that's the destination and I'm prepared to compromise everything else, then it becomes much, much simpler. Yeah. I think so any anytime a Christian says, you know, I'm trying to pray, I'm trying to be good, that's actually translated as I don't really want to, but I know I should. Yeah. Uh, i put Whereas my hand you, up. If you want it, then you'd actually mm. do it. I spent about, I reckon it was close to 15 years, like 
trying to, as you say, trying to pray, in inverted commas, trying to pray, really bad at it until, until I started saying the rosary every day, which enabled me to actually pray daily. And my whole life changed. Like my outlook on my, myself and everything else changed. Um, instead of trying and failing, I suddenly started actually doing it. Mm. What an amazing grace for a priest to have access. There is no excuse for not going to Mass. Exactly. It's there. But I think like that anyone works. else, it's still a battle to actually be present at Mass. Like you can be physically there. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think it's one of the big, once again, one of the biggest temptations for a priest is just to end up in the routine, go through the motions. And be thinking, again, be thinking about what you need to say at the council meeting tonight rather than the yeah. prayers in front of you and, and Christ in the Eucharist. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with marriage. You're, you're, you're physically there, but whether mm. you're actually present to it, uh, that's a whole different story. So Physically there, but in another room recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing there, Marty? What? Is it, why are you looking at me? <laughs> We're not judging you. <laughs> Maybe Sam is, but I'm not. <laughs> no, no, no. So um, could, could, at a basic level, could we say that the first step of the spiritual battle is actually identifying our destination and our, our purpose, why we're doing everything, anything? Yeah. Why we are saying something or not saying something, why we are posting this on Facebook or Instagram, why I am responding or, or uh, reacting in a certain way. If I translate that to project management, there's no way you set out anywhere without the destination in mind. What are we trying to achieve here? You don't build your thing on time, on schedule, on budget by accident. It's because you know what you want, where you want to get to. So if we do that for less important things like work, why wouldn't you want to do that for life? Because the human heart is complex. Well, when I was teaching the guys in Canberra, I'd often use, I'd always say, you know, spiritual battle is primarily about conversion. You know, mm. it's, it's the battle inside your own heart. Yeah. Secondly, it is fighting against the way the devil is at work in the world and particularly manifestations of evil. But I, I'd often use the image of, a king tries to conquer a new country and goes in, takes over most of the country. The rest of the army surrenders. You know, he manages to plant himself in the center of the parliament as the new king and ruler. But there is always going to be that one suburb where all the rebels are living and they're holding out, fighting this guerrilla war against the king because they don't actually want him to be king. And basically saying, like, if you imagine that as the image of your own heart, you may have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and 90% or 98% of your life has been given over to him, but there is still a certain place in your heart where you're in complete rebellion mm. and you don't want him to be king. Good chance that's probably in the area of your finances or maybe the area of your sexuality. could be mm. anything else. But there, there is always an area where you are very reluctantly following Jesus and, and that's going to be the area where the spiritual battle is really played out. You know, that yeah. the Holy Spirit is still fighting to take over that part of your heart. But there is this massive fight against, you know, from the enemy as well and from yourself resisting that. Mm. Yeah, Jesus said to love your neighbour. Yes, Jesus said to sell everything you own and come follow me. Yeah, let's go back to the love your neighbour bit. <laughs> Especially if you live on a farm and you don't have neighbours close by. <laughs> 
well they're a long way away see, they're leave see, you alone. <laughs> <laughs> we love them by waving yes so i want to talk about extraordinary activities of the devil it's what the fans want um <laughs> seriously i, I think to... look if someone if someone looked on the clicked on the uh heading of this podcast and we didn't say anything about i think they'd be disappointed they waited 40 minutes they can now get them that's they it <laughs> so i don't i don't have anything to start with I well just... thanks for joining us today <laughs> for today's episode no i do i do actually just briefly through a like a few degrees separated heard from like a, a school kid who claimed that at night times he'd be sort of felt like he's held down in his bed any night he recognized this pattern if he didn't look at porn this had happened to him no that's my father it's father ken it's father ken do you want to call a friend father dave <laughs> now the phone stopped ringing we're good keep going marty there you go <laughs> um which i think is exactly like fits that pattern you're talking about if you're if you want to put up some light resistance, then that's where the attack comes. The guy was telling me about it, was saying, he, he told him, you got to, I teach you two prayers. You got to say three words. First prayer, when this happens, three words, come Holy Spirit, right? And you keep saying that. And, and after that, I'm going to teach you another prayer. I'm going to teach you the Hail Mary and, you know, and say that when it, when it happens to you. But you can see a long-term sort of change for this kid if, if he pushes through then that attack had dissolved. Well, it's similar to the hole in the footpath scenario you were referring to before from Father Ken. There are these moments where you don't want to fall in. And in that moment, you're saying, Jesus, help me. Yeah. Come Holy yeah. Spirit, Jesus, help me. Mm. But it's so that... important that, there, that it is in that moment. Yeah. Mm. Well, one of the key things people always say, you know, whenever people talk about demonic activity and people being possessed and whatever, the, the classic thing these days is to write it off as being mental illness. And I think, I think this is where the Catholic Church is probably the most level-headed in this argument. You know, you've got, you've got some Christian churches who will talk about the devil being everywhere. And then you've got some secular people who say there is no devil. It's all psychological. They just need a good psychologist. I think for the Catholic Church, or particularly for priests, whenever a person comes to you telling a story, say, like that, Marty, the average priest is normally sceptical in a healthy way to begin mm. with, that a, a haunted house is often more indication of a haunted mind. And so you've got to try and talk with the person to understand what's really going on. But I mean, I've, I've seen stuff which very clearly you'd say this is not psychological. So last year, I forget what episode it was, we, we were talking about angels or something. And uh, I was trying to hold myself back from saying anything because I had... Is this the dog story? Yeah. That, I, I told Did you guys we, about it afterwards and we just started afterwards, recording. Afterwards, yeah, off air. Yeah. Yeah. That morning I'd been called out to do a house blessing and um, it was the usual thing. People saying, oh, our house is haunted. Can you come and bless our house? And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll come and have a chat, hear what the story is. But the thing they were saying was the problem's our dog. You know, the dog's seeing something and the dog is barking at something and we can, it's always the same spot the dog's barking at. And so, that, so I was kind of curious about this. I wanted to see what the story was and um, went to this house. And first thing, this dog is just going nuts. Like I, I'm pretty good with working with dogs, but this, this thing was scared. Like it was freaking out. And so anyway, got into the house, talked to the people and they showed me this spot in the lounge room. They said, this is the spot the dog will never go near. 
and it it barks at this spot all night. And as we were talking, you could see the dog was looking at something, like where, where the perspective of his eyes were. It was focusing f- focusing on something in the room that we couldn't see, and it was just going berserk. So anyway, I say, okay, look, let's pray. So I led them through a series of prayers, pulled out the holy water, started blessing the house. Instantly, the dog just calms down, and he's following me around like right at my legs the whole way. You know, everywhere I go around the house, this dog's just shepherding me, like like behind me, and its whole persona changed instantly. It went from being this terrified dog to suddenly being calm as anything. And so went around, blessed the whole perimeter of this house, blessed the dog, you know, had a good long chat with this couple. But yeah, it was, it was one of those things where I just thought, that's not normal. You know, like that, that's not someone just imagining something because, you know, mm. animals don't change that quickly. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of precedence here as well. Uh, the, one of those scripture verses from New Testament where, I'll be honest, for a lot of my life, I've thought, what the heck is going on there? When Jesus casts out the demons into the pigs mm. and then they run down the hill and drown themselves, it was only last year. It actually might have been while doing Exodus 90, but uh, it might have been a reflection during that, I think. Uh, the reflection on it was saying one of the things that this actually does do is that it establishes in no uncertain terms that animals can be possessed. But in this case, the animal had an awareness that we didn't. Mm. in this sense so just uh something a little bit on the side a bit of a side note but there's certainly yeah, precedence there sort of happened to us a bit we've had our house blessed a couple of times but i suppose that the trigger underneath this was there's there's a fair bit of we had a lot of conflicts you know a few years ago but a lot of conflict which seemed totally unnecessary we had our house blessed a couple of times by priests but we we had an exorcist come and pray with us that our dog went nuts while he was praying as well and then and then calmed down but then after that i did a few other things i bought a picture of the sacred heart because jesus promises to sister catherine was it catherine is it margaret Paris? mary alico that's the one margaret mary alico alico um <laughs> in paris that um, of 200 years ago or 300 years ago or something, that there'll be peace in every house where the image of the Sacred Heart is portrayed and venerated. So I bought one. I read that promise and I thought, I want that. So we did that and, and I bought I bought four St. Benedict medals and had them blessed and buried them in the corners of the property. And after all of that, things are a lot more peaceful than they used to be. Mm. And particularly in families, like... I think people underrate the spiritual battle that goes on there. Like if marriage is a sacrament and it brings the presence of God into the world, if, if the family is the domestic church, then of course the devil wants to destroy that. Mm. Um, and you're going to come under some serious spiritual attack and the devil's going to hit you in your weak spot, you know, mm. in, in, in both the spouses and the kids. What, so in, you- in my temper? <laughs> I don't, yep. I don't want to. I don't want to suggest anything there. <laughs> Mediterranean <laughs> temperament, okay. But you, you've got to defend your house. You know, like in the same way, if if you had hordes of people roaming the streets, you'd be putting up fencing and working out where the the weak spots were around your perimeter. You've got to do the same thing in your relationships. Work out, okay, where where are we going to get attacked here, and mm. and how do we put things in place in terms of good communication, conversion, but then particularly prayer. You know, praying against all that stuff. 
So, so the other thing I did because, and I think it's really important, especially if you're a husband or a father, because exactly that, you've got responsibility. Your your family, your household, not just your property, but but your household is your responsibility. One, to establish an environment where everyone that you're responsible for can be a saint in heaven. Part of how you do that um, is you need to pray for them. And I remember complaining about my teenagers and I had this sort of revelation. I said, yeah, you know, my teenagers might not behave the way I'd like them to, but what have I actually done to help them apart from complain about them? Yes. So I got hold of this little book by Father Chad Ripperger in the US called Deliverance Prayers for the Laity, which I'd recommend. And just the first couple of prayers out of that every day, every night before I go to bed, which takes like all of two minutes to say this little deliverance prayer for my family and my household. Because I was saying before, you, you know, if you take ground, you've got to hold the ground. Is, that, uh, is it First Peter or Second Peter? The Be vigilant because the devil, your enemy, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for, Look, someone, looking to for someone to eat. Stand yeah. up to him strong in face. Yeah. Mm. We'll, wait, we'll wait for the lawnmower. Yeah. Is that destroyed? The, the, uh, one of our prisoners is mowing the lawn. It's going to take a while. It's okay. Is it, it's, is it, it's very, it's very faint. No, it's very faint. Yeah. It'll go well with my rain. I was wondering is what that, that Is was. that what it is? It's your rain. Right. That clears that up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for our listeners, uh, the noise in the background, rain on my roof and a lawnmower in behind Darwin. Father Dave in Darwin. And Marty, uh, we're looking forward to your dog coming in at some point and barking. Yeah, she's been good so far. After the exorcism. <laughs> if you find yourself or someone you know displaying uh, oppression or uh, obsession or possession, kind of, you know, extraordinary attack of the devil, what do you do? Well, you probably should define those terms you just used. <laughs> you define terms. <laughs> you define them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give them a dictionary. That'll help them. I could um, Yeah, so we talk about... <laughs> possession and oppression they're being two different things so obviously like if someone is possessed they're like completely taken over you know as though they've given they've given access to the house of their of their heart whereas someone can be oppressed so normally the devil can only enter the house of of your soul or, or your heart if there's an opening or like a weak spot you know so this is why there is such a link between psychological wounding or psychological damage spiritual problems people become afflicted by spiritual forces because they're often afflicted by very physical things as well um so you can never sort of separate the two so a person can be sorry because we we are a body and a soul exactly yes yeah It, it can be anything from someone going through spiritual desolation you know or or, you know just being stuck in some sort of deep despair um hang on a second someone's so where was i we were talking about defining the terms let's go back and start that section again shall we okay (laughs) nice so um we probably should define the terms that marty just used that there's a big difference between oppression and possession people see things like the movies of the exorcist or whatever and they expect that if you know someone's possessed, there's going to be heads spinning three three hundred and sixty degrees or whatever. That's a very serious 
situation, you know, where someone has kind of willfully given access to be taken over by that spirit. Like, and that comes up in the Gospels, you know, that we're talking about the pigs earlier. The dude who was possessed, who was, you know, it says he was um, bound in chains and he couldn't be bound because he had this superhuman strength kind of thing and no one could um, control him and that, mm. all those kind of manifestations. And, and that sort of stuff happens, you know, like where people end up almost with superhuman strength, um, stuff that's just not normal. But then you've got normal oppression, you know, which is someone's being affected by something spiritual and yet not completely taken over by it, you know. So that could be anything from, you know, someone experiencing desolation in prayer, you know, to, you know, if, if someone's seriously in despair, you know, if there are things where people are just not able to think rationally or, you know, that, that sort mm. of thing is where you can very much pray into it. You can, you can pray for a person to be set free from that. And the sacraments themselves are very powerful for that. You know, so like Especially if, reconciliation. Well, and the Eucharist. Like, like if, if you're receiving yeah. the Eucharist, really aware of the power and, that you're receiving. And fraternal love with that person. Yeah. To actually yeah. walk with them and to walk through that journey with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and even stuff like holy water. You know, like um, mm. when, back when I was on youth mission team, we, um, we had this one young kid who'd often come along to our events and weekends who was always causing trouble. Like we knew he was... Martin Pennell? No, <laughs> he was okay. one of the leaders. <laughs> <laughs> this kid was always swearing. He was a terrible influence to others. We knew he was probably doing drugs at school. And I remember one of the other leaders, he thought, you know, I'm going to get this kid today. You know, so he, he, we had some holy water and he, he said, I'm going to start a water fight later on this afternoon. But he had a cup full of holy water already set up on top of the cupboard. And so later in the day, he started this water fight. And as soon as it was going, he grabbed this cup of holy water and went up behind this kid and just poured it over his head. And um, soon after that, the water fight stopped. But what we found was this kid's behavior changed dramatically. And he, he was no longer swearing. And he was now sitting down asking us questions about God for the rest of the afternoon. And we were like, man, we should be doing this all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear, um, I did hear one exorcist I was uh, listening to on YouTube suggested that exercised salt you should feed to feed to teenagers often. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I just want to talk about opening the door. You talked about, before we finish defining terms, talk briefly about opening the door to evil, opening that door of your, of your, of your heart um, and what that could look like because it's not necessarily something that's obvious. I mean, there are some things that are, you know, you, you, this is what's really important. You don't play with the occult, you know, you don't play mm. with Ouija boards, you don't go to a seance or something like all this. That kind of thing is um, an obvious candidate to be opening yourself to evil by your as, cooperation with as, it. As children, we were all taught about stranger danger and yes. the dangers of that. And I think we quite, um, we understand that, we get that, that for a child to want to go and muck around with a stranger and go for a drive in their car, we know what the dangers are there. And the dangers, both spiritually and physically, from playing with the occult are even mm. more profound. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's huge. So, I mean, if you've ever done that, you should renounce that and take it to confession. You know, basically, close the door. Yeah, um, yeah. But, and there's probably some other things like, Freemasonry and other things which sort of border on that, which yeah, which could new, also new age stuff, the same thing. Crystals, yeah. Don't go to Fremantle. That's a that's a W <laughs> that's a WA that, joke. In case is that, that a whole? 
Which, every city's got their own Fremantle, you know, <laughs> where, where all the hippies hang out. Yeah, South Hobart. <laughs> so, so, so there, are, there are some things that you will willfully do to like, play in that area, but then there's some stuff that can be done to you as well, you know. So often people who have been physically abused, that damaging effect can actually open them up to really being hit by anger, bitterness, and that then can lead to this sort of domino effect of other stuff, you know, where, yeah, they, they just sort of get really quite deeply affected by that stuff. So, so there, there is a need to take it to prayer, you know, get other people to pray for you who are more experienced in this stuff. As I said before, like in the sacraments, very intentionally pray for God's healing as you receive the Eucharist, as you go to confession. If it's happening to you or someone you know, the first port of call is your parish priest. Mm. I, I, and 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 there's and there's avenues within every diocese to get to a you know to an exorcist if that's yeah. warranted. But there'll be an investigation to get through that to get to that point. You know, it's not taken lightly. If your parish priest doesn't take it seriously, keep looking until you find someone who does. Yeah, and and, and like I said, you know, most most priests are naturally skeptical because they see a lot of the stuff that's just simply mental illness, and the person just needs a good counselor. But at the same time, this stuff isn't taught in the seminaries. You know, most mm. priests have no idea what to do when they face a situation like this. Uh, and so they just pass the buck to someone else. But yeah, if you, if you contact the bishop, he'll know who to put you in, in contact with or something like that. And why that exorcism, how, why it works is because Jesus gave authority to the apostles who were the first bishops. And now the whole, the whole world's cut up into dioceses bishoprics and the bishop of your diocese has authority christ's authority given to him over his diocese and oftentimes he'll appoint a uh, an exorcist to wield his authority on his behalf in order to, to deal with this stuff mm. um that that's the essence of the church's you know why the church does what it does but the exorcism right is a sacramental not a sacrament and Please explain probably should explain that the seven sacraments we all know about because because we did a series on them but these other things that the church has called sacramentals things like things things like the rosary or the bendic medals or or various other rites and the 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 ritual of exorcism is is one of those when it's fairly substantial as far as sacramentals go and i think that's why reconciliation and the eucharist which are which are sacraments are even more powerful in a way, for um, you know, for people being being afflicted. If if you're Catholic and you're afflicted with this, the first thing I say is go to con- go to confession, go and, and go to the Eucharist, and then and if you keep doing that, I mean, and that's the advice from one of the dioceses I was looking. I think Brisbane said if you go to confession, go to st- receive the Eucharist, go to weekly Mass, obeying the commandments, including keeping the Sabbath holy. Go to mass, receive the Eucharist, go to reconciliation. Start doing that. Start living a Catholic life, and that's your that's your first layer of protection. So make sure you're doing that. Well, in fact, everyone make sure you're doing that anyway. <laughs> oh, I've got one other thing to say. Say the Rosary every day. There you go. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Father, thank you so much for the gift of love. Thank you, Lord, for your patience and for persevering with us and drawing us into that perseverance. 
we thank you, Lord God, for the gift of forgiveness, the grace that we uh, are blessed with in coming to you and for all that we don't deserve. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to walk with us. You would continue to open our eyes to the areas in which we don't worship you. We ask you, Lord, to, to take our lives, to take our hearts, to mould us, to form us, such that we may truly accept being your sons and daughters. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Mother Mary, pray, pray for, for us. us. Pray for us. Lord, we just pray your, your blessing upon us and your protection upon us and our families. Blessing of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 But uh, just reiterate, Our Lady, the Battle Queen of Heaven, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. And you're off to Mass, Father Dave? Uh, yes. Yes. There's a confession before Mass I need to go get to. Oh, awesome. Great work. Thank you. Sons of Thunder, the podcast that stops only for confession. <laughs> and mess. <laughs>